Welcome to Monday Night Boars, episode number five. My name is Clean Gene, and I am joined by Loblo. Suck it. And Sid Electro. Yo. Today we are going to discuss the episodes of WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw from September 25th, 1995. So let's get started with Nitro first. Again, we got a three-man announced crew with Eric Bischoff, Mongo McMichael, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And to start the show off, Pepe is saddled up for a wild ride. Guess their little chihuahua friend is indeed in a costume reminiscent of a bull or horse. We don't understand why. Uh, we presume that it's because Steve McMichaels was like, I really want to put my dog in a horse outfit. Seems Every like the most likely cause for that reason. Clean Jean? Yep, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the show gets started out with Alex Wright against Cisco Inferno in his debut match on Nitro. One of the first things we noticed was uh, Disco Inferno is rather portly in this match. <laughs> yes, much more so than he yeah. was later on in his career. Yeah, he, he's a little overweight, but I mean... This match was pretty good. Uh, Alex Wright looked very good, and Disco Inferno was kind of whatever. But Selectro and I were discussing that we were impressed with Alex Wright in this match. We didn't remember him being this good. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't really remember much of Alex Wright other than he's kind of like, uh, would you say lower mid-carder, mid-carder? Yeah. So far, he's yeah. kind of like unremarkable, but das he's, he's pretty impressive in this. He knows how to put on a decent show. Yeah, I, I thought so too. It was an okay match, mm -hmm. considering. Also, we noticed that the pyros have gotten better each week. Significantly. On Nitro. Significantly. This week, they were really good, and Alex Wright even had his own pyro. Yeah, significantly so I, better. I don't know if, like, starting out, they're trying to kind of make him like a solid, like, strong mid carter kind of guy, like, dependable. Production values, they decided to invest a little more at least, yeah. right? Or at least in pyros. Use some more of that Ted Turner money. Yeah. Ted Turner money? You're going to light some of that up. shit up? Uh, so yeah, Alex Wright won this match clean. He beats Disco Inferno in his debut Nitro match. So not looking good for Disco Inferno. R.I.P. Disco Inferno. I think it gets better for him, but I could be wrong. I just remember him as like a standard new quarter. as like... Yeah. Yeah. Alright, next up we've got Hulk Hogan backstage in a neck brace with Jimmy Hart. Hogan says he hasn't missed a workout yet. Yep. He was lifting the belt with his head. That's right, he was working on his neck by lifting the title belt. He made the miraculous recovery from having his neck snapped. So, uh, low blow noted here that Hulk Hogan's skin looked like looks like a hefty bag full of yogurt. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard to disagree with that. Yeah, I also included other uh, analogies, like a Ziploc bag full of pancake batter too. Yeah, it's probably the same texture. Texture, yeah. So the most important part of this tight loose. was that Hogan said he was going to build a monster truck and challenge the Giants to some kind of monster truck battle at Halloween Havoc. Which is the natural thing you do, right? Like, that's what you would do. Right. So yeah. after two, like, after underwhelming pay-per-views for both WCW and WWF, this promo gives us great hope for yeah, and truly great material come, to come out from Halloween Havoc. 
an interesting conclusion, we hope, to the fight, because we are sick to death of Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. Uh, so, so on top of this monster truck battle, Hogan also challenged the Giants to a title match at the pay-per-view. So they're going to have the monster truck battle as well as a wrestling match. I was under the assumption it was both. Like, they were going to fight via monster trucks, and then they were going to fight on those monster trucks for the title. Like, at the same time. No, not like, at I, have, not I have super high expectations for this match. Not at the same time. Well, you can say that, but I'm going to hold out hope that that's what's going to happen. Because okay. that'd be ridiculous and awesome. And it's like, why wouldn't they do that? Would be pretty great. Yeah. It sounds pretty ridiculous, yes. But they went with it, and uh, they better deliver. Otherwise, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, so next up, we got Mean Gene in the ring with Macho Man. Uh, they kind of do a recap of last week with Luger. And then Lex Luger runs down to the ring again. He like, certainly likes to interrupt other people's promos. He does, and he's graded it, so I don't know why that's a bad thing. It sounded like you were saying that was a bad thing. Every time he comes out, I feel more and more confident WCW is better because of Luger and his yeah. promos. They're just they're just fantastic. So Lex Luger challenged Macho Man to a match next week on Nitro. He says if he doesn't win, he will leave WCW and the Macho Man will get his title shot against Hogan, which is scheduled for an undetermined time and place. Yeah, yeah, he was really banking on that for some reason. Because that was his stipulation initially for joining the whole War Games thing. So I'm thinking behind the scenes, Vader no-showed on them. They kind of about-faced with what they were going to do with Luger and then threw him into this thing. And now they're trying to make do with what they've put themselves in. I don't know. What, what do you think the writer's perspective is? Alright, next up we've got Sergeant Craig Pittman. Fuck you. Versus Kurosawa in his debut. Mm -hmm. Pittman pinned Kurosawa with a German suplex. This match was not good at all. Uh, Pittman's offense looked horrible. He went for a lot of tackles. It just looks really bad. Yeah, he did yeah, headbutts. So, a lot of like, headbutts. Half of his offense was these really awkward, like, headbutts. standing headbutt things. Headbutts. That, like, obviously didn't really connect very much. I don't know, based on this and Fall Brawl match, Pittman just seemed like an awful wrestler. So, I thought it was interesting. He did a couple of suplexes in this match that actually looked good. Yeah. So, I'm not sure the, why you're talking about the belly to back? As his offense, instead of these headbutts and yeah. tackles. Yeah. You're talking about the belly to back he did? He did that. He also did a German suplex at the end of the match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a little weird. Maybe he was saving them for that. There was a part where Kurosawa uh, lift up, lifted up a section of padding from the outside of the ring and dropped Pittman on it. And that looked like uh, it really hurt. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to fall anywhere outside the ring, it's, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Lobo uh, has a lot of experience. Oh, man. Oh, man. Here we go. So he is our expert on, on yeah. the subject. Okay, so, yeah, the idea being the, the wrestling ring has some give to it just by design. And if you're going to land on any sort of hard surface, even if it's padded, it still doesn't give a whole lot. So padding or no padding, it's still a painful bump, and it's about the same. So 
All right, next up we have Brian Pillman in the ring with Arn Anderson and Mean Gene. Pillman cut a very good promo on Ric Flair, in my opinion, uh, and hinted at forming a new Four Horsemen with Arn Anderson. This confirms what Ric Flair had been saying earlier by suggesting that uh, his former colleague had intentionally solicited the assistance of Pillman to help. In right, that this match. is the, the first time we confirmed that Pillman and Anderson are working together. Yeah. Before it had only been an accusation, now it is confirmed. Uh, so we get a clip of Macho Man on the beach again. This was a smaller clip of what we saw last week. Interesting enough, it did not include any sort of reference to Flair making the save. We think maybe um, just to focus specifically on this narrative and not to include Flair and the other backstory of including Flair just for the sake of making Flair look like a, a face. Right, they were just setting up the next match of Taskmaster and the Macho Man. Uh, so we got Zodiac at ringside right away. And right when the match starts, Zodiac attacks the Macho Man outside the ring while the ref is distracted by the Taskmaster. Macho Man gets a disqualification after he threw down the ref. He then hit the elbow drop on the Zodiac after the match. Uh, he had stacked up Taskmaster on top of Zodiac, but Taskmaster managed to escape. Uh, interesting enough, uh, I believe Zodiac actually broke his collarbone from this elbow drop. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and after this, we had the Giant come down and choke slam Macho Man. And then a bunch of other jobbers. Yeah, like they don't name them. There's just like two or three other people that we had no idea who they were. Still don't. Uh, like just came down. I think the giant just kind of like squashed all of them. Alex Wright comes down. Giant beats all of them. So then we have Luger uh, starts coming out, and he kind of casually walks down to the ring. As Savage gets choke slammed again, again. So one aspect we were thinking about was: Is this like? Are they trying to build the story that Luger could be like defecting to the Legion or the Dungeon of Doom? But that might be a no because when Luger finally uh, gets to the ring from his long stroll, the giant choke slams him. Yeah, he well, stands over. Before that, he was just standing above the Macho no, that's, Man. That's true. Looking yeah. like he was either going to attack him or just kind of rub in the fact that he was attacked. Uh, but then the giant attacked Luger, kind of a little swerve uh -huh. there. Yeah. And Luger got choke slammed, and this whole segment basically just established that the giant was a monster that no yeah. one can uh, Which is, hurt. It's, it's, I guess, good for the Dungeon of Doom because they established that the giant's a monster, but on the other hand, he kind of also just, like, at least I feel, undermines the entire Dungeon of Doom because the rest of them are like complete garbage to lose every time. Yeah, I mean, towards the end, you see the Taskmaster uh, taking uh, the giant's task by saying, no, you shouldn't have done that, and admonishing the giant as they're leaving the ring. And the giant, Which was strange. Yeah, it was very strange, and I don't understand what the motivation was for that. I guess, they'll, they'll, I guess the giant will have a match against Hogan and Halloween Havoc, but thus far, since Nitro started, the giant hasn't even had a match. So... His like, first match is at Halloween Havoc. Yeah. yeah. So, 
the Dungeon of Doom to date has won zero matches. That we've seen. That we've seen, right? Their monsters cleans up consistently after every show, practically. Mm -hmm. But they are completely ineffectual at doing anything Well, Well, hold on. I mean... The next, oh. well, I mean, immediately after this match is the next match, which is uh, Ming versus uh, uh, Luger. Right. And so, logically thinking this through, why the fuck would Taskmaster care that, that the giant just choke slam Luger? The next match yeah, is yeah. for his ally. Yeah. Why would that, why would you not want your ally to win? And it seems ridiculous, so. So Luger's still in the ring, uh, selling after the choke slam, mm -hmm. and out comes Ming to set up the main events. But first, Eric Bischoff wanted everyone to know that Hogan will be here next week. Oh shit, next week. Even though he died the last time we saw him. Alright, well, he's been revived since. Well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, the story the match... has rejuvenative powers. Right. You eat pasta mania and you just get better. Yeah, that's why they had to shut down because too many people were coming back from the dead. I really want to know how long this Postmania thing lasted because it seemed like it didn't last at all. Well, the company is still around. What? No, 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 it's not. Yeah. It's no, no, there's another company called Postmania that's out of, like, Southeast Asia. It's not the same company. They have the same logo, though. I looked into it, and I know that there's another company called Postmania that is not the same company at all. Anyway. The uh, story of this match was Luger was already hurt. So Ming just beat on Luger the entire match. Luger made a very quick comeback for about two seconds and Ming just got back on him. Match ends when Ming hits Luger with a spike. Right in the throat. So even with Luger injured the entire match, he still had a cheat to beat him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ming got the pin after using the spike. So like, I guess on the one hand, Dungeon of Doom now has a pin and cheating is, is usually a pretty good way to establish heal. Mm -hmm. But, like, Luger was already dead from the giant, basically. Well, I mean, he wrestled that whole match, and... and he, yeah, he also spent the entire match getting, like, beat down by Ming. He made, like, a two-second comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Ming kept beating him. I mean, theoretically, that's the way I would probably play it out. The Dungeon Doom is so bad that he then still had to cheat. Yeah, I mean, this is another thing of... I don't know if you guys will agree or disagree with me. This is another idea of like, hey, you don't want them to get a clean win, and even if they're not better athletes, it's fine because it progresses the narrative. Yeah. The idea being that even if the choke slam was not well acted by uh, uh, Luger, he's so good that they're so bad, and he still needed that. Ex they still needed that extra something to beat him. Uh, so overall, what did you guys think of this week of Nitro? Well, the, the Pyro's better protection value. Um, they seem to get a little bit more coherent in their uh, their their feuds and their matches. It seemed like there was a better narrative. We could understand what was going on. Not necessarily based on what we had seen previously, but because that they were making an effort to try to explain what had happened. So it was better than some of the others, but... Match-wise, uh, they were outshined by some of the, the instances previously where there had been superstars that outperformed these ones, so... I think the opening match with 
Alex Gray versus Disco Inferno was a pretty decent, entertaining match, even though it was over pretty quickly. But I don't know, the rest of this card, it just seemed like it was either there was a really weak match between Kurosawa and Pittman, and then the rest of it just felt like continuing the kind of misguided story, uh, like resting, like placing the entire onus of being the bad guy on this crappy stable, Dungeon of Doom. I'd concur with that. I yeah, think that they do. Yeah, I think they're really weak in the ring and on the mic. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And I, I, I think the idea is that, yeah, they're bad guys, so it's somewhat excusable. Yeah, I think the only good thing on this show was the Alex Wright match. Everything else sucked. Like, except for the Pillman promo, which was very good. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. All right, next up, we will review Raw. So the show starts out with uh, Jim Cornette with his attorney uh, in Gorilla Monsoon's office trying to argue that the main event from the previous night should be overturned. So, uh, Monsoon agrees to this because Owen Hart was the one that was pinned. He was not officially in the match, but he says Yokozuna and Owen Hart must defend their tag team titles tonight on Raw. And, yeah. Uh, first match we got is Marty Jannetty versus Skip. Vince McMahon made a big deal about Marty Jannetty being back here. Right. Uh, Sid Lectro and I, I think, were the ones that were like, who the fuck is Marty Jannetty? Yeah, we didn't know who he was. Turns out, he's a bit famous. Yeah, Jean so Jean? he was Shawn Michaels' tag team partner in the Rockers. And that was the few that kind of jump-started Shawn Michaels' uh, singles career, where Shawn Michaels basically just destroyed Marty Jannetty and kind of floundered on his own. And now anytime a tag team breaks up and you've got one partner who does well and one who kind of disappears, they are referred to as the Marty Jannetty. Was there a place where Marty Jannetty went? Did he did he go to back to development or do you have any uh, idea? He stayed on the main roster, but just kind of this was just for... curtain jerking. Yeah. And okay. then I think uh, I'm not sure where he was as far as prior to this him making his return. I think injury maybe, just, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So this was a good match. Um, Marty Jannetty won with the fist drop. The uh, only thing of note was there was a spot where Marty Jannetty tricked Sonny into hugging him. And then as oh. she went to slap him, he moved out of the way and slapped Skip. Yeah, it was a very cartoonish match, I think is a way to describe the, the way the match flew, flowed. Yeah, I like it. I think it's good. I think it's very iconic wrestling. It's just very, like, over-the-top puppet show theatrics, and uh, it makes everyone in the audience who doesn't understand what the hell's going on understand what's going on immediately. It's very clear-cut, and uh, I thought it was good. All right, next up, we've got the tag team title match. Yokozuna and Owen Hart against the Smoking Guns. Pow, pow. Bart and Billy Gunn. And I believe... Billy Gunn shaved his mustache. Yes. Right. Yeah, he was going without the mustache this time. No mustache rides for you, said Electro. Oh. Still uh, the jeggings, though. Yeah, still the jeggings. They don't look like legitimate jeans. They look like maybe some sort of uh, spandex equivalent to wrestling, which is smart because wrestling in jeans is bullshit. 
Uh, so this match ends with the Smoking Guns hitting their finisher on Owen Hart. Yokozuna went to break up the pin, but ends up landing a splash on Owen Hart. And then the Guns pinned him for the win and celebrate with the two dudes with attitude. Yeah, yeah, it was nice uh, to see somebody come down to the ring not to intent on beating the shit out of somebody in the ring. And so uh, that was nice. They celebrate together and everyone's happy. You don't see those happy endings so often in wrestling. So I like it for uh, contrast. And whenever you see somebody jet out to the ring, you assume they're going to kick the shit out of somebody. So I like it. I think the idea there is you've got Diesel and Shawn Michaels, big stars, mm -hmm. and them showing their support for the Smoking Guns to yeah. help them face time. get over. Yeah. All faces all the time, all happy. Mm, happy ending. Then we've got Doc Hendricks at the entrance ramp with Gorilla Monsoon. They're there to hype up the upcoming In Your House pay-per-view. He announces that the main event will be the British Bulldog versus Diesel for the WWF Championship. And that the winner of that match will face Bret Hart at Survivor Series. So not only have they given us the main event for the next pay-per-view, but they're already uh, hyping up the pay-per-view after that one. Yep. And uh, this kind of goes with the WWE's forward thinking when it comes to feuds, it seems like. They're marketing their feuds. They're, they know what they're doing. This is a tried-and-true game for them, and they're just moving along business as usual. And now we're already at our main event. We've got the British Bulldog versus the Undertaker. And I don't feel ashamed in saying that Sid Lectro and I both uh, immediately obtained massive boners over this. Hearing that gong initially, that bell, that church bell ring, it was like, oh shit, she just got real. Because we're both... Uh, we both love the Undertaker. We love the old school Undertaker. Old Undertaker. Yeah. Pre-Sarah. Pre-Sarah, old-school Undertaker. We both love that. And so, that was a big deal. Even if it wasn't the best match, it was my favorite match of the night, at least. Well, not just of the night. You said this was, like, yeah, the best match you've seen so far. I didn't say it's the best. Said your favorite, favorite. Your favorite. Yeah. And because the nostalgia factor is super high on this match. Yeah. Undertaker does his signature moves. He's walking the ropes. He has to do it a second time. He's doing his stuff. He's sitting up after being knocked out. He's no selling. It's so fucking Undertaker. Uh, so right at the start of this match, King Mabel came up and was standing at the top of the ramp. Uh, British Bulldog hit a bunch of suplexes on the Undertaker, but of course he no sells them because mm -hmm. he's the Undertaker. So why did uh, Mabel show up again? Was there a rationale? I am not sure. Yeah, I think it's because he knows he's going to become Viscera. And he's just like, well, um, didn't they show something for King of the Ring? Oh, like a feud going with like the, um, <sighs> you and your logic, Undertaker or something like that. You and your logic. Uh, they showed. Uh, Maybe he threw him out. Who like knows? Footage from some past event where they kind of seem like they're trying to set up a feud between them. Whatever. He eventually becomes Viscera, so all that matters is Mabel is out. Yeah. Uh, the Undertaker wins. And the Undertaker knows what's going on. Uh, so the Undertaker hit a choke slam on the Bulldog, but Mabel interferes. Mm -hmm. And then the Bulldog and Mabel will beat down Undertaker. But of course, the two dudes with attitudes come down and make the save. Is the match already called by this point? Yeah, so it was disqualification once Mabel interfered. Uh, after the two dudes come down, we've got Hart and Yokozuna. To again to give the heels the edge, but of course 
The smoking guns were now all covered in soap straight out of the shower. No they shoes. They're still their wearing pants? their yeah. pants. No shoes. They, no just, shoes. Yeah. they just threw on their jeans is all they did. Yeah. Threw on their jeans. And then all the heels. Yeah. All the heels just exited the ring, and then well, we were treated to Shawn Michaels. Yeah, well, dancing. Is that for about fifteen minutes? Okay, so I think what happened is they cleared the ring, because I think everyone left the ring by this point. Yeah. Yes. Everyone, including the faces, left the ring, and then they came out again. And then Shawn Michaels and Diesel came out again. Hit the hit Shawn Michaels. They hit Shawn Michaels music, and then Shawn Michaels danced, and Diesel stood there with his arm in the air. Uh-huh. And it was a celebratory circle jerk for and all the fans. It just came across as poor planning and they didn't have enough show. Yep. Yeah. So they're like, get the two dudes' attitudes out here again. Yeah, it clearly was th- that the, the show went too short for the allotted time. Okay. By a few minutes, um, I don't know how long that was. Would you say that was more than 10? It was probably five ish, maybe, tops. They recapped. Previous feuds, uh, replugged uh, previous uh, matches that are upcoming. Um, I don't know. I think they tried to hawk some more merchandise, and uh, that was the end of the show. But clearly not on schedule. Yeah. Uh, so overall, what did you guys think of Raw? Well, I don't know if I speak for Sid Lectro, but I'm gonna say it was really, really good, and mostly because of Undertaker. It's just Undertaker. Uh, he, throughout that match, and this can't be o- overstated, though. So, he was against the British Bulldog? Yes. Yeah. And British Bulldog continued to work over his leg. He continued to sell that, that, that he was working over his leg throughout the entire match, building that sort of, uh, that narrative of he's breaking the Undertaker down. And we have not really seen that in any other matches. We see very short things where, like, oh... They'll sell an injured body part for a little while, but it it doesn't continue throughout the match. This was very uh, methodical. He he definitely understood what he was doing when he went into that match, and I think that makes a a hell of a difference. So I I really like the show. I'm sorry. That mixed with just the, like Lobo said earlier, the massive nostalgia factor, at least for the two of us. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was I don't say it was a bad show. It was an okay show. It had its moments, it had its ups and downs, but I mean every match every show we've seen so far has had at least one match that kind of outshone the others. Yeah. This really didn't have that, but it had elements of that via Undertaker and just the 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 way he, the pacing of the match, the way he handled the selling of the match. He no sold some of the, the, the moves, but he sold the leg throughout the match, and I just appreciate that, so. So this was the first live Raw. That we've seen, yeah. We've yes, seen, and yeah. which is why we, we, I don't think we noticed at the time, but in retrospect, we noticed that Nitro didn't spoil the events for this match, and were yeah. uh, the show, I mean. And I think maybe some of the, well, did they have live ones before this? Yeah, I think what they would do is they would... Uh, have a live episode and then record a bunch of episodes after that the same night and then air those the weeks thereafter. Mm. Well, I guess never mind. I was going to say maybe they just already experienced that live show so that was the deal with the poor pacing. We did definitely notice... Yeah, we did definitely notice that uh, I think the last Raw 2, I don't know if we mentioned it in the last Raw, but this Raw also, 
it seemed a little like they, they probably play with the, the sound. I know the last Raw they did, where they, they made the crowd sound more enthusiastic than they necessarily were. We were looking at last Raw and uh, probably should have been a, something I brought up in last Raw, but I totally forgot was the fact that they, they were not... Uh, I mean, we were looking at crowds just, list, just looking listlessly at the, the, yeah. the, the matches and there not being any sort of sound that matched that. It was very enthusiastic. And this time around, um, a little bit, but I mean, it's a live show, so it's possible that maybe they were picking up some aspect of the crowd that was enthusiastic for each match, but it seems like they, they do make a conscious attempt at uh, uh, engineering the, the enthusiasm for each match. Yeah. So this was kind of a weird episode of Raw because it was just basically three matches uh -huh. and nothing else, no other segments really, other than hyping up the pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two uh, pay-per-views. Buy your pay-per-view yeah. and uh, buy the recap of the last uh, WrestleMania, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so I would give the slight edge this week to Raw. I think it had the best match out of either show. Yeah with the Marty Jannetty and Skip match. Um, and everything else on WWE sucked other than the Alex Wright match yeah. and the Brian Pillman promo. So this week, my vote goes to Raw. I agree. Yeah, me too. It's unanimous. For, I think, the two of us, it's more the Undertaker. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really on a technical level, maybe the Jannetty match is better. Yeah, I, I concur. So Raw is now unanimous. two to one. Yep. Unanimously. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of uh, Monday Night Boars. I'm Loblo. I'm Sid Lecturer. And I'm Clean Jean. And stay cool, guys. <laughs>